Well, let's, uh, let's just ask God's Spirit to speak into our hearts. Lord God, as we start our last of our eighth traits of a healthy church, we just pray that you would help us to understand what loving community really means. We ask, Lord, that we wouldn't just take our past ideas, our past experiences of, oh, community, fellowship, that's just food. But, Lord, may we understand how you have created us to be in relationship with you, a part of the Trinity, which shares that relationship with all of us in the body of Christ. Show us what that means, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I mentioned, this is our last one. You can see on the screen the eight characteristics of a healthy church. And we have wound our way to the final one. And we are on, as I prayed, loving relationships. And uh, you can look on the screen. Before that, we talked about the holistic small groups and encouraged and challenged you to be part of a small group. And so those two kind of go together. And then the next week and the week after that, I want to talk about conflict resolution. And we'll take a couple of weeks on that. And then I think we're going to go into the churches of Revelation Someone said, you aren't doing Revelation? But yeah, see, we're going to do the Revelation, but the safe part of Revelation. Well, there was a burned out pastor, and he wrote, two years ago, I nearly gave up being a pastor. I started focusing on the negatives of my job. And after eight years of frantically meeting needs, pleasing people, and tracking down plant stands for weddings, I could identify only trace trace elements of spiritual growth in the church. The dangerous ice of cynicism slowly spread through my heart. The ice that didn't care if people changed because, you know, really, they didn't want to change anyway. Well, God didn't answer my prayer for escape, he says. Instead, God resurrected my heart during our family vacation in Libby, Montana. If you've been in Libby, imagine this scene in a city park. While I was reading and praying in a local park, three children with bag lunches, dirty clothes, and dirt-streaked faces plopped themselves on the grass beside me. Before I could object or move, the oldest child launched into a complicated story of family dysfunction. Hi. My name is Deanna, and I'm 12. My sister is Christy, and she's 10. And Mikey, my brother, doesn't he look fat in his Lion King t-shirt? He's six. But we all have different dads. My dad is dead. Christy's dad left. And Mikey's dad beats him up, so our mom is divorcing the creep. My mom and her fiancé are at the casino because they need time alone, so she bought us a barbecue sandwich at the town pump and told us to stay in the park for two hours. Can we sit by you? So what do you say to that? So he says, in order to be polite, I said yes. Then asked if they lived in town. Deanna, the family spokesman, answered, no, we used to live in town, but my mom lost her job. I don't like living in a tent. By the way, what's your job? I answered, "Uh, I'm a pastor. After a long silence, she asked, Mr. Pastor, can you tell me something? I've heard stories about Jesus walking around healing people, loving people. Why doesn't he do that anymore? 
Well, you know, us pastors, we have this disease of trying to share theology with everybody. He says, I launched into the lecture on the incarnation. (laughs) Three children simply stared at me with big, love-hungry eyes. I looked at Deanna and Christy with their limp sandwiches and fat little abused Mikey with barbecue sauce smeared on his Lion King t-shirt. I stopped lecturing. With tears in my eyes, I said, Deanna, Christy, Mikey, let me start over. Do you have any idea how much Jesus loves you right now? See, when we're stressed, when we're burned out, one of the things we need most is relationships. It's connection in a loving community that supports and restores us. But what does that actually look like? What is God's idea of community? How could we define that? So we're going to look at about three different passages to look at what is community. And we're going to start with Galatians 3, 26 through 28. And this, Paul is going to be writing to us in, in a very central passage about our equality and unity in the body of Christ. So verse 26 of Galatians 3. So in Christ Jesus... You are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Christianity is radical in its inclusiveness and diversity. There's no special chosen ethnic people in Christ, no social or economic class preferences in the body of Christ, no gender superiority in God's people, no education level is more loved by God. We are all one. We are all equal in the eyes of God, in the body of Christ. So if gender, race, and social class don't matter, as far as equality goes, then neither does past behavior, according to what we read in the New Testament. Your past behavior does not exclude you either. God invites into community all who are willing to come to him, no matter what they've done, no matter how poorly they have performed. Jesus launched one of the most inclusive communities in history, if not the most. Everyone is welcome. And yet, across America, Sunday morning has been said to be the most segregated hour in the country. So we don't really quite grasp God's idea of community, do we? And then there's another problem. Today, church attendance is decreasing. I've mentioned this before. Many want their spirituality isolated and alone. So some people go to church on the internet. Some people go to TV church About 25 years ago, I just had to see what this thing was where you could do drive-in church. And you got stayed in your car, and you're out in this big grassy field in Southern California, and you tuned your radio and listened to the sermon. You could see them off and, you know, across the grassy field up in the window of the church. So something's missing, don't you think, when all you got to do is sit at home, turn on your internet, and then you see one of the biggest churches in the U.S. is, you know, is on, on the internet. They have a brick and mortar place 
But when people think TV church, and I'm not talking about shut-ins, so if you have a shut-in and they can't get here, this, this in no way refers to them. I'm talking about when people just say, yeah, I don't need other people. I can just meet Jesus on my own and have my own spirituality, the top of the ski lift or sitting in the deer stand this fall, guys. Not saying you can't miss church ever to go deer hunting, but when that's your primary ways, I just meet God out in nature, great, but you need the body. So what do we do? Loving community, number one on your outline, if you're following, it's inclusive. It includes. You can't just say, I'm going to be an island. Loving community includes, and it includes everybody. Let me ask you a hard question. Do you have a place you belong? I mean, really belong? Or is church a lonely place for you? Do you feel isolated? Do you feel like you are from one of those marginalized people groups? Because God wants to include you in loving community. But that might mean you have to get out of your seat and go take initiative and not just wait for somebody to ask you to come along. Go meet them. Talk to them. Take the initiative. Loving community includes. Our next passage, John 20, verse 17, and then we'll skip to 19. This is the time right after Jesus' resurrection, and he's appeared in different places, but the apostles are in a different place. They're in an upper room, as we're going to read. So Jesus, first of all, though, in, in appearing to Mary Magdalene, he says to her, this is right after the resurrection at the empty tomb, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. And on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, and we're going to pause there. So here we have this scene. Mary Magdalene, the first one of the first at the tomb, God has appeared to her. Now, where are the leaders? The 11 apostles, they're the ones who spent the most time with Jesus. These are the future leaders of the church. They are hiding in a room for fear of the Jewish leaders. The door is locked. They're unsettled. They've heard the women's report. They've heard Peter's report. They've heard the Emmaus Road report. And they're not sure what to make of all this. So they're unsettled. But God, you notice this? Look, he revealed his plan to a wide variety. It wasn't just to the 11 Apostles. He didn't appear to them and say, go to an upper room after I die and I'm going to come and meet you there. He talked to all these diverse people because you know what? God speaks to all of you, not just to the leaders in the church, although we hope he speaks to the leaders of the church. But don't think because you're not a leader, God doesn't speak to you. Because God spoke to a lot of different kinds of people. Taking a hike on a road to Emmaus, coming to the tomb... And says in Corinthians, he appeared to over 500 people. So God isn't just saying, the only people I ever speak to and, and want to pay attention to are leaders. Because that's, we all need each other to learn more about God. Leaders need you to help them learn more about God. In Sunday school, Trace went through Hebrews 10. So let's look at verse 24. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. 
not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, so see, it wasn't only our problem, but encouraging one another. So notice, stirring up one another. We meet because we stir up one another. We share about what God's doing in our life, and we we talk about how do we go out and do like Trace is saying and reach the people around us for Christ. And by the way, it's wonderful that, that Trace and Taylor are going to Jordan. You know, there are Muslims in eastern Washington. Do you know that they're here? They're right here among us. And you can meet those or other people. And you can build a relationship because conversion of a Muslim into Christianity, as I prayed in the prayer, is a big deal. It's, we think, oh, you just present some intellectual information and you kind of help them see the truth and then that's it, right, Trace? The construction of the social fabric is so strong. You need to build a relationship with them to win that right to be heard. And that might take months or longer. Because it doesn't happen by you walking up and saying, here's a track. Let me tell you about Jesus. I guess it could once in a great while. Generally not. You need a relationship to do that. And so we need to stimulate one another to love and good works and share those stories and understand what God is up to. And so Jesus comes and he gives his community something that they need. We can learn from each other. We get a bigger picture of God in community than we do alone. And consider this, how you experience God. And when you share with God some of the stories about what he's doing in your life, it encourages me. I like listening to Larry Boggs' stories of God speaking to him. God doesn't speak to me like that. So Larry, if there's something wrong with me, you need to help me figure that out. But he, he might speak differently to Larry than to me, and so we can help stimulate and share one another. And I learn, and I'm encouraged, and, I, and I'm awed by what God does in the body of Christ. But we have to share it. You can share. We all need each other to learn more about God. And now John 20, verse 19, the rest of it. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Verse 22, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So here are the apostles. They're afraid. They watch their leader be crucified. Their whole kingdom images are shattered. They're not sure what to make now of that. Now these stories of he's risen from the dead. He's walking around. What is this? But Jesus comes and he gives his community what they need most. He didn't, he didn't appear to them and say, okay, theology 101, let's go, let's start. He does do that later with, with some. He did it in the road to Emmaus. But to these men who are wondering, they're unsettled, and they're afraid, peace. That's what community needed first was peace. God's peace released new purpose in their life. And remember, you know, I'm talking peace. I don't mean the absence of war. I'm talking about that shalom inside of you that no matter what's going on, you are assured that God is with you. And that your body might not survive, but your soul will. And that's the greatest thing. So peace to know that God has you in his hand and he gives you a new purpose. He gives you a new message with that purpose to take the forgiveness And the who is Messiah, he's been here among us. Take that out. He gives them peace 
to be able to do that. And he gives them a supernatural resource to do that. He gives them the Holy Spirit. They can't do this in the flesh. They need the Spirit. It's not going to work without the Spirit. And community, then, is not just about having friends. It's not just about potlucks. There's a spiritual purpose for community. It's to know God and to stimulate one another to love and good deeds deeper through that Holy Spirit and his work. I develop my identity of who I am in Christ partly in community. I don't just do it all in my own quiet time in my own self. I do it also in community. I get support for my fears and my frustrations and my passion for life of life and what God calls me to do are deepened when I'm around others who encourage me to keep going while I encourage them to keep going. Remember Ecclesiastes 4.12? A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. If one falls, if what happens if there's not somebody else there to help pull them up? So number two, if loving community includes, it also strengthens. Loving community strengthens you. It helps you walk through life. It helps you grow closer to God. Have you ever noticed how much easier it is if you want to work out to have a partner in working out? Or if you want to study, you know, you have a group. We have, you know, a woman Bible study we just announced starting up. And, and, and Joan Thompson, she, she's starting one, right, Joan? And so you study the word together. And it encourages you. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, but yeah, I got study tomorrow. I should look at the passage and do my homework. It encourages you when you have others around you. I learned about that when I took my very first backpacking trip. And I went with a a good buddy of mine, and we had quite a memorable experience. Because neither of us had any experience. We'd camped, but we'd never backpacked. And so we hiked above Timberline in the high mountains of the Pecos Wilderness, which is, if you're wondering, in New Mexico. And so we we on that first day, we hiked, and we went way up, and it was great, and it was wonderful. And then... It started raining. Now, that's not unusual in the mountains, of course, you know that. And in Colorado and New Mexico, that monsoony thing happens. And so every afternoon, you're going to get rained on if it's any time after the 4th of July. But this was a different rain. This was 40 hours of rain. And I'm in a small tent, a pup tent, we used to call them. This is not the kind, a dome tent, where you stand up and you move around and put up a table and and, you know, do other things. This is like lay in your sleeping bag and you can't stand, sit up very much. And, and 40 hours and you really build good community. 40 hours in a rainy tent and it's cold. But after the weather cleared, took a couple of days, our fourth morning out, we walked many miles up, got many blisters. And still we urged each other to keep going. Now, remember, I said we were inexperienced, so we ran out of water. Now, I know, yeah, but there's streams there, but for some reason, we never crossed a stream. We ran out of water in the morning. Our lunch, because, you know, you backpack, you can't take great cuisine, and your stuff crumbles and crushes, so we had peanut butter and Melba toast. Do they still make Melba toast? It's like these little crackers that are indestructible and you chip your tooth on them when you try to chew it. But when you don't have water, have you ever tried to choke down peanut butter and Melba toast? I'm here to tell you, not easy. 
So we kept walking, encouraging each other. You got to eat. You got to eat. The afternoon sun grew hotter and hotter. Our mouths were dry, and we're going up in elevation. Our tongues began to swell, but we pushed each other up that mountain. At 5 p.m., we got to the top, and there was this tiny little underground water trickle coming out of a pipe. I mean, it would take you a long time to fill up your cup, but boy, you didn't mind waiting when that was the first water you'd had in hours. Water never tasted so good. And so we're resting and we're recuperating. And this place is called Hermit's Peak. And we had this long ascent and there's a five miles of switchbacks on a shorter route up. And so we're sitting there dying. And this group comes singing up to the top from the shorter side, (laughs) carrying watermelons. So we consoled each other. We reminded each other that we had taken the more difficult journey. Because community strengthens. I wouldn't have been able to do that by myself. You need each other. So how has community strengthened you? What would your life look like without community? Or do you just try to live life alone? You try to tough it out. Say, I can handle it. That's the Western Protestant way. People without community have, by the way, more health, without community have more health issues and lower levels of mental health when they're isolated and alone. POWs, you want to know the the biggest factor in their survival was the bond, the community they had in those prisoner of war camps. We need community. You're not wired to be an island and live it alone. So community includes and community strengthens. So how has community strengthened you? What would your life look like without community? Or do you just say, I'm going to just do what you just said, tough it out? Well, there's strengthening, there's including, and there's also a third dimension of loving community. And we're going to look at John 21. This is the story of Peter. Peter had conspicuously failed. You remember at Jesus' Jesus' trial? He's off warming his hands by the fire and he denies Jesus three times. Now, when you're going to be one of the major leaders of the church, that's a pretty big deal. And so Peter is living with a lot of guilt. He's witnessed the empty tomb not long before that, but when we come and catch up with Peter in John 21, he's off fishing. Some commentators have said Peter was returning to his previous career. In other words, he had said, I failed. I did all this for three and a half years with Jesus. I denied him. I am not. uh, What can I do? I'll go back to fishing. And it says that the apostles, many of them at least, were with him. What to do? He's accepted. He's still part of God's community, but he needs to be restored. John 21, 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you agape me, he says, that unconditionally. Do you unconditionally love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. 
Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love agape me? Love me unconditionally. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love, different word, phileo love is, I have deep affection and friendship bond. It's brotherly love. Jesus keeps asking him, do you love me with God's unconditional love? And he goes, yes, I got this great human bond of affection for you. And so Jesus says to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me with that brotherly love? And he said to him, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, tend my sheep. Three times Jesus asks about Peter's devotion. Maybe it was one for each denial. And with each response, Jesus publicly restored Peter's call. Three times, shepherd my sheep, tend my lambs. See, Jesus rescued Peter from the despair of failure. From his own internal agony and prison, he said, you are not disqualified from ministry. You have fallen And you now are on the bottom looking up, and now you can only depend on me. Maybe that was why Peter could do all the things he did, as he had to have that colossal failure. But loving community restores, includes, strengthens, and restores, because Peter was restored by Jesus. So who do you have in your life that believes in you and can pick you up when you are down or when you have fallen? or failed. We all need restoration. In some area in our life, at some time or other, many times usually through your life, you're going to need to periodically be restored. Someone's going to need to help pick you up. So what area in your life, if you were to stop and think, and you had some time to meditate, would you say, really, I need some restoration in that area. I need community to come along and help. And how could we do that? How could community restore you and help you in that area. Maybe you can write that down in your outline. See, we all need that restoration. We all need forgiveness. We all need that power of the Holy Spirit released in the body of Christ. I want to show you a video that I hope will turn out a whole lot better than the last one because the sound will work, and this is from a mission organization. So, Naomi, let's see how it works. My name is Fali. I'm Cambodian. When I was with the Khmer Rouge, I went to see my, my baby for four years. Four years, I don't know who she was die or not. My husband was killed, my father was killed, my daughter still alive. Thank God, you know. I cannot stay without, uh, without anything. No money, no family, the house is burned. I leave my country in 19... 80, and I arrived in France in 1981. Before, before believing God, I would like to kill anybody in the Khmer Rouge. But now, God saved me. I don't think about that anymore. That anger is not good. I pray, I pray to God for me, the people who do anything wrong. I read the Bible almost every day. A little bit, a little bit like that. That might make me peace in my soul. 
Christ came to the earth, we love each other. Don't fight anymore. Finish marriage. <laughs> Jesus said, love each other like he loved the church too. But you know, the love, no action is not love. You have to do something to show the love to each other. By this they'll know that you are my disciples, by your great doctrine. No, by your love for one another. That's community. So does community that loves and forgives sound attractive to you? Are you part of that kind of community? That's kind of why I wanted to urge you to join a small group or form a small group if there's not one near you. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life or how you think you failed. God wants you to be part of his supernatural community. Remember, it's all equal, everybody on the same level. And if you've not been part of God's community and you're wondering, you know, I don't even know how, what you're talking about, this supernatural thing, this Holy Spirit person. But you become part of supernatural community when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. When you say... Jesus came, he was God himself, he came down on earth, he died for our sins, he died on that cross, and all we have to do is receive that gift by faith. We have to ask Jesus to come and be part of our life. And then you become part of supernatural community. You have that Holy Spirit living inside you when you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And you can express that faith to Jesus you can ask him to come into your life. You can become part on that one of the members of that journey that will take a lifetime. Now, maybe you have already made that decision to ask Christ into your life, but you don't really feel that connected into the supernatural community right now. You can ask God, show me a place where I can be restored. Show me a group of people that will love me and trust me will help me, will pull me out of the struggles I'm in or support me through them. And all you have to do is pray and ask God, bring that community, show me where I can go. By the way, when we go and talked about the eight healthy church traits, and I did lots of interviews with many of you, this was probably of the eight we listed earlier, the strongest trait that our church had was loving community. The preaching of the word from Pastor Dan was also highly rated, but right up there is I come and I I came to this church because of relationships, the friendliness, and I stay because of those relationships. Now, I know there's probably a few of you that don't feel that, but maybe we can improve. Maybe we shouldn't stop and just say, oh great, look, we're good at loving community, but we need to push farther. We need to be deeper and better and find more people out there in Chewila and Stevens County that need that kind of community and invite them to be part of it. And maybe the place to start inviting them is in your small group. Maybe this is too intimidating for them. Start with a small group. Let them find loving community. Let's pray. Lord God, just ask that you would reach into our hearts and help us stop being afraid of sharing with others. Stop being afraid of being judged, of being hurt, 
of being given advice that we already know what to do. We just struggle to do it. And help us to not be afraid and to reach out and take the initiative to be part of a community and learn how to grow and stimulate each other to that love and good deeds to grow closer to Jesus. But Lord, we need your help. We need that supernatural resource of your Holy Spirit to take our community and make them more than just a club or even worse, a clique, and help them to be those kinds of communities that include everyone, no matter who, that strengthen because we share confidentially and supportively and lovingly and that we restore when it's needed, even when it's hard. So give us that courage through your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name.